Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Spark. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them across the UK. This story was told by Kate. At our night at the Hackney Attic. When the theme was defining moments. Enjoy! So this is my first time ever on a London stage. That's a pretty defining moment. I am originally, my family, I come from a tribe of... Academics. I was born in New England, in a small New England, very bucolic, beautiful New England town uh, prep school. My father was a teacher. New England is the bit on the northeast coast, for those of you who don't know, uh, sort of between New York City and Canada. We were what the current administration would call liberal elites. It was... Not like that, though. It was sort of a genteel poverty. It was intellectual. It was very sort of baggy and woolen and elbow patches and liberal, liberal, liberal. And gorgeous and green. And you can imagine the shock to the system I experienced when my family moved to Texas. Texas. Which I imagine you have some preconceived ideas about. And maybe some stereotypes, and I'm here to tell you there is some truth to all of those. The, uh, Texas was like landing on a different planet. It was all very newly constructed, and the suburbs were very cookie-cutter, and it was very conservative, and it was... Uh, Texas. There, uh, there are many lovely things about Texas, and I think very fondly of it now, decades later and thousands of miles away. Um, so I'm in Texas, and I'm a fish out of water, and I'm 13 years old in the seventh grade. I don't know what form that is, because I haven't cracked nearly anything having to do with England. Um, And I've been admitted, it's my first year at this extremely high pressure, extremely competitive academic school in the wealthiest neighborhood in Houston. We lived at the very western edge of the city. It was an hour's commute. My classmates probably walked to school. We drove an hour after I had gotten up two hours prior because I was desperately attempting to live up to the beauty standards of these 
children of oil millionaires, these little wispy blonde girls, I mean, 13-year-olds, you know, were vicious and horrible to each other. And they were all exceptionally, like, tiny little blondes, and their fathers were oil millionaires and billionaires. And uh, one of them, actually a classmate of mine, he was a friend, but he was, just to give you a sense of who this crowd was, he was a lovely fellow. He was related to the guy who became infamous for nibbling on Fergie's toes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so crushing, crushing pressure to wear the right brands, to have a little polo on your shirt. You couldn't just wear penny loafers. You had to wear, it had to be the right brand. You had to have Yves Saint Laurent perfume. It was crushing. And I was also... 13, so going through puberty, and uh, into this scenario of clear joy. Anyway, but so, so it was all about like terribly harsh judgment. Terribly, I was, everyone was very harshly judgmental. I bought into it. I was very harsh, harshly judgmental. It was also that age, uh, Salinger calls it uh, the age in Franny and Zoe. I think he talks about Franny at, at being at that age where everything kills you. Like your mother says something at the grocery store and you just die. Or you're, you know. So it was just like this horrible soup of puberty and crushing social pressure and dying. And uh, in the midst of all of this, it was decided that I needed to have all four of my wisdom teeth surgically removed, general anesthesia, the whole nine. And uh, I was not afraid of the pain because it meant days and days off school and going into the hospital. So I wake up from my wisdom tooth extraction, and I've got a bloody mouth stuffed with cotton and ice packs to help the swelling wrapped around my skull. And I was in such horrid shape, I needed to go to the bathroom desperately, and I sort of got up, and the woman who was sharing the room with me was like, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, So that's just how I was just utterly anesthetized in incredible pain, 13 years old. And... It's my night, the night of the surgery. I'm sleeping in my bed. It must have been one, two o'clock in the morning. And this nurse came in. The door flew open, and she scooped me up from under my armpits and stood me up all in one very competent motion, and said, "There's a fire. We're moving you off the wing." So there I am, sitting in the waiting room of the damned. It's all the patients from my wing around this room. And they're all adults, and it's the middle of the night, and they're all post-operative. So I'm looking around the room and judging all of them, like, oh, they're just, it's a parade of misery. They're, they're, this man is so horrid. He, this woman is so disfigured. Everyone, you know, I'm crushingly judgmental. And I had this moment, which Solinger also describes as, uh, the sun coming up and uh, barreling towards the bridge of my nose at ninety at the rate of ninety three million miles per second. It was uh, the realization that all of these decrepit, miserable souls were looking at me in horror, <laughs> horror, and because you know I said the thing with the face and the and. It was a defining moment for me because 
in that, in my 13-year-old anesthetized state, I sort of glimpsed the great cosmic joke. And I got the fuck over myself. <laughs> that was Kate. Our second story is told by Elle. Warning, this story recognises the existence of drugs. So I'm 16 and I've just started a new school. And to be popular, it felt like everyone uh, was taking drugs. Uh, So I wanted to be popular, so I followed suit. And we actually took a lot of drugs for freshly forming minds. Uh, We were 16 and I was probably taking a pill every weekend, which I'm not sure if it's had any effect on me. Uh, Long-standing, probably. And we'd go every weekend to these parties. um, And then we'd come in and we'd talk about it. And we got a bit comfortable, a bit too comfortable with how many drugs we were taking, where we'd buy our drugs on the premises because there was a boy in our year who sold the drugs. So prom was coming up. It was kind of the end of the year. And we decided that we weren't going to take drugs at prom because we're classy. But we were going to take drugs the night after prom, which was a big rave. So um, we did what we normally did, and we bought the drugs on school premises. And we bought a lot of drugs. We bought 30 pills because we were going to share them. Uh, I bought them with my friend. She went home. I went home. We got ready. We then had pre-drinks at our friend's house. And when we were on our way to the pre-drinks, we'd met up at the tube station. She said, oh, by the way, I've got the drugs on me. I said, why do you have 30 pills when you're going to a school event? You should not take them out of your bag. And she goes, no, 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 don't worry, I won't take them out of my bag. And then, of course, we get uh, very drunk and all judgment goes out the window. And we get to the place and all of a sudden someone's saying, have you heard what's happened to Holly? And I'm saying, no. And I'm I'm kind of forgetting, but there's this very foreboding sense in me. I'm not quite sure. I've kind of forgotten at that point that that had even happened. It was a 30-second look at the drugs. Oh, no, put them back in. And then, yeah, someone goes, yeah, they found 30 drugs on her because she was trying to give them to someone, um, and they're questioning her. I was like, oh, crap. I was actually initially quite uh, scared for her. I didn't really think that I'd be implicated in it anyway. don't know why. Just that wasn't my first thought. And then, so she she was actually interrogated, I think it's a bit uncouth, at prom for an hour and a half by the teachers, not by police. And then she goes home, she's finally allowed home. And then the next day, I'm kind of still worrying about her. And then uh, another guy who bought the drugs was implicated in it, and he was interrogated, but all the while I'm being told that no one's going to say my name. And then I go back to my old school, which I love dearly, just to like say hello, and my other friends were there. And uh, I get a call, and it's from my mum, and she says, Elle, your school's called, they want to speak to me, it sounds very serious, and they said that you should come along. And at that point, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think I know why they want to speak to both you and me. And uh, my dad, who I didn't get on with uh, very well at the time, like at all, was there. And I was like, oh, I just wish he wasn't here. Like, this is already going to be bad. I already think I'm going to be expelled. The news was trickling in that everyone who had been uh, interrogated had been expelled at that point, And I was kind of the last person on the hit list. And my dad was going to be there. And I hated him. So we got in uh, to the office and the head teacher's there 
And um, sure enough, they found out that I was implicated in buying the drugs. Um, I had the decency and the good sense to not take the drugs to prom, but that didn't matter. They were found. Um, and <laughs> and uh, the, um, the headmaster um, expels me and I start to well up. I wasn't even that upset I didn't really like the school but I did start to cry just on impulse and my dad looked at me and he said don't give that man an ounce of your tears and I was like oh dad's actually doing me a solid right now this is very unlike dad um <laughs> so I didn't cry and then he goes and my mum was just apologizing she was doing everything wrong and she was normally really good doing everything wrong she goes but Elle's never taken drugs and then looking at me and I had to be like no, I, I, I do take drugs quite regularly. And she's like, well, she's, she's a really good girl. She's probably only taken them once. She doesn't even drink. And I was like, yes, I do drink, Mum. This is just really embarrassing. But my dad was being really good about it. So after he said, don't, don't cry, he was also like, he, he's going to want to shake your hand. He's just whispering this in my ear. He's going to want to shake your hand. Um, shake it. Because he knew me and he knew that I wouldn't, I'd be very much against shaking a man's hand who's trying to expel me. So I shook his hand when I was uh, leaving the office and I was actually very proud of myself for shaking his hand. I also left and didn't think that I'd be able to um, join any school because you can't really join any school halfway through Easter time when you're supposed to be taking your A-levels. Um, uh, yeah, and I just didn't think I would be, especially on uh, Class A drug charges. Uh, but my old school let me back. Um, so all was good. And I'm actually glad I got expelled from school. But that definitely was a defining moment. Thanks for listening to Spark True Stories. If you love what we do, please help us spread the word by leaving us a review on iTunes. For more true stories and to see a live event, head to stories.co.uk. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.